The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to Storybrook Weekly Mirror in Wonderland, the unofficial Once Upon a Time in Wonderland internet radio show exclusively on poppychuloradio.com. Poppy Chulo Radio, pop culture on demand. I'm your host, Poppy Chulo. During tonight's broadcast, we're going to revisit ABC's Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. Later on in the broadcast, get ready for a spoiler alert as we bring you the hit ABC series' Easter Eggs and Ratings. Please welcome my wondrous co-hosts. She will throw you back into the gutter where she found you. It's Katie Cat. Wow, you're dang right I will. <laughs> Just kidding. Hi guys. I'm super excited to talk about the episode with y'all. And she is reborn. It's Jess. Hi everybody. Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're following along with us, you should be. Because why would you be listening if you weren't following along with us? Ain't that the truth? (laughs) Hashtag logic. Yes. All right, everyone. Let's jump into our recap of episode 1.04, which was titled The Serpent and originally aired on November 7th, 2013. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. When the knave's life is in danger, Alice has to make the tough decision on whether to use one of her three precious wishes and what that would mean for her and Cyrus. Her new friendship with Lizard reveals some of the knave's backstory, and Cyrus plots to escape. Meanwhile, Jafar's plan to kill the knave puts the Red Queen in a difficult position as she grapples with her feelings for him and her desire to get what she wants. In flashback, we explore Jafar's origins and find out what he truly wants from Cyrus. Alright everyone, I want to get everyone's initial reaction to your rewatching of this episode. So what did you think of the episode The Serpent? So we'll start off with Katie. You know what? I like this episode. There are some really great flashbacks getting um some more information on Jafar especially. Um plus we got some very intense scenes at the end. Um, and something I guess I wasn't expecting entirely so soon. So it was, it was an intense episode, I guess you could say. I, I did enjoy it and I enjoyed Jafar a lot. So I liked that we got to see his backstory. Jess, what about you? I agree completely. I think my favorite part of this episode was definitely seeing Jafar's backstory And I think that they handled it marvelously, to be honest with you. I mean, never 
in a million years would I have pictured myself as sympathetic for Jafar. But hearing his backstory and all of the things that he's been through, I, I was a little bit I was a little bit sad for him. And it was just one of those things where if things had turned out differently, if he had met a good sorceress, if he had decided that he was going to be a better person than she was training him to be. Like, it just would have been so different. By no means does that excuse, like, who he became and, and what he's doing now. But it was very interesting, and they wove together a believable story for him, and I thought that that was really important because I really do appreciate not just when they do villains, but when they do villains well. And they're not trying to make you feel one way or the other about them. They're just presenting the facts as is, like, this is how they came to be. This is what happened to them. But it's not like it's not like the new Maleficent movie or the newer Maleficent movie where they kind of backtracked and, and made her into the good guy. You know what I mean? And I feel like it did such a disservice to her. They didn't do that to Jafar. Like, he was still the same badass that he was from my childhood when I watched Aladdin. They didn't try to make him sympathetic or, or somebody that he wasn't. But they also gave you, like, why he became that way. I like that. I like yeah, we both like <laughs> it. That was good. I enjoyed the episode as well. I always like getting the backstory of villains. And I feel like Jafar's story was like really interesting, definitely unique. And um, I don't know, I just really enjoyed seeing it. And um, the present day stuff was really interesting as well. So uh, I, f I feel like we have a lot to talk about. But before we do, and before we get into a thorough recap... Here are some reminders on how you can interact with the show via social media. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Mirror. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. Okay, so let's start off at the very beginning of the episode, and it starts off with a flashback. Many, many years ago, a long time ago, in a little land called Agrabah, and we see a young man who we learn is uh, young Jafar, and um, we learn a lot about young Jafar. Apparently, he's the abandoned child of an adulterous sultan. He is basically sort of living as a peasant, and uh, one day, you know, we're, you know, in, in the... I guess the shop where he's working or I don't know. I don't know if he's enslaved there or if he's he has to work there. He's forced to work there, but he's working in a shop. And one day when he's working, uh, a mysterious woman enters the market and everyone hides like everyone 
hides. They cover their faces, you know, they can't look directly at her, everyone's hiding. And it is this feared, seductive, beautiful sorceress named Amara. And young Jafar is the only person that looks directly at her. And she turns around and she looks at him. And, uh, like, she's a little confused. And he's not afraid of her. Everyone's frightened for their lives. But he still stares at her and she stares at him. And then she's just like this little awkward little thing. She's like, okay, well, let me stop looking at you. And, uh, and all this kind of stuff. And then she disappears. Later on, young Jafar, you know, boldly goes to her home and demands that she teach him her ways. Teach me dark magic. I want to make people pay. I want to make this and the other. I want you to teach me. In the beginning, Amara's like, you know, playfully dismissive, but and but she's like, you know, you can't use this for bullies. This isn't the kind of thing for bullies. Like, you know, you need a real reason. And Jafar is able to convince her with his rage and his lust for revenge. Many years later, Jafar has grown up into a young man, and he is also the lover of Amara, and um, she teaches him that he must be willing to sacrifice to achieve what he wants, and uh, something that he learns is that he unwittingly just poisoned a friendly neighbor of his. And Amara's like, well, you can either save him or you can let him die because we need his liver for this spell. You know, especially if you want me to teach this to you. So you make your choice because here's the antidote. And Jafar is hesitant. You know, he really wants to learn the magic in Amara's book. And uh, he ends up deciding to let the man die. So let's talk about the intro to uh, the flashbacks where we saw, you know, young, young, young. Jafar, and then young man Jafar. What do we think of uh, this backstory and the introduction of the sorceress Amara? We'll start off with Jess. I really liked it. I thought that, as I said before, like it, it gives you a good sense of where Jafar is coming from, and you can feel sympathy for who he was and the things that made him that way, but not necessarily who he is today. Because no matter what he's been through, no matter who he is, I mean, the evilness that he's committing now is is a choice of his own. And, and yes, he's been through a lot, but he's still a douche. But I liked getting to see, like, how he got to that point. I liked getting to see, like, that there was another hand in his fate if the sorceress had been, like, a good witch of some sort, if she'd been not willing to take on a child as an apprentice, if she had been, I guess, a little bit, a little bit more gentle or perhaps just um, punished his father, like, um, not, not the sultan, but I guess the sultan too, but the, the man that took him in and said I should bring you back to the gutter where I found you. If she had punished them and then just been like, hey, see ya, kid. Like, I don't really need some prepubescent snot-wiping child at my heels. Like, I feel like his story might have been a little bit different. But as it was, I thought it was a very, very solid introduction for him. I thought that Amara, is that her name, Amara? Yes. I thought that she mm -hmm. was a great um, addition. I think that she... 
more than anyone, I think that she planted that seed of evilness in his heart because he Ooh. wanted like revenge and everything on the sultan his father he hated the the term bastard child but i think that if the sultan had reached out to jafar and been like look man i really fucked up i'm so sorry like i'm a terrible father but i love you because you're my son like i think that he would have been like all right like, maybe I'll give you another shot. And he was, at that point, you know, capable of becoming this great, kind, loving man. But because Amara got to him and the Sultan, you know, had no interest in him, he became what he is now, eventually. And I think that it was a very interesting kind of split in his path. He he clearly took one way and I also think that, can we talk about this now? Just, it is so creepy that literally she saw him as this skinny little boy with the knobby knees and the weird elbows and the ill-fitting clothes. And just like, did he even, like, had he gone through puberty at that point? No. So it's weird that she later saw him as, you know, a sexual partner. That's weird. Yeah. I was actually going to ask oh, you that, Jess. Do yeah. you think it's good for a sorceress to bang her apprentice? Um, not if he's that young. Like, how the fuck old is she? There's got to be some sort of law in aggravation. She looks good, that. though. Like, damn, no wonder he's so fucked up in the head. That poor child. That was just yeah. so... I was gagging. I was like, no, That was no, really creepy. No. But, like, also, does she just, like, have a sandpaper vagina or what? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, I don't think it would be sandpaper. I'm sure it's that good good if, if, if he enjoys uh, playing with it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but how old is she? Like a hundred, two hundred? Because like she hadn't really aged um, between him as a boy and him becoming a man and uh, actually like going through puberty. Agrabah don't crack. I guess not. But shit, was she like stealing the life essence of other? You know, she might have pulled a Sanderson the sisters. Yes! Okay, but that's still creepy, though, because, like, you have to think about it, like, yeah, she looks beautiful, but in reality, you're banging something that looks like Winifred Sanderson, and the real her probably hasn't brushed her teeth in millennia, and it, ugh. ugh. Well, um, on a less sexual <laughs> tip, Katie, your oh thoughts God. on young Jafar? <laughs> follow that up okay yes um, i'm sorry <laughs> i thought it was a really great way to um yeah to start off our kind of prior knowledge to what jafar's childhood was like um it was i mean i didn't expect him to be a child that was so powerless and was being abused by the person who had taken him in and who was the bastard son of the Sultan and all the stuff. Like I didn't expect that. And it was an interesting, it's, it's a very once twist to the character, how they give you something that you're not expecting. And then 
we see, you know, where his starting point was and where he's ended up in the present day. And none of that stuff makes up for, um, for who he's become and the choices he's made. But it's still interesting to feel sympathy towards his character at one point in his life. Um, and the Amara character, she was really intriguing. Um, obviously, she's someone who's very much feared. She was like Jafar is now in present day. She was that way back then. How, you know, nobody wanted to look at her. You couldn't even look at her. Um, you had to vacate the premises when she showed up. And I thought it was interesting that Jafar was not afraid of her. He didn't look away at all. And she probably obviously thought that was intriguing and that, you know, he had potential in him to become her apprentice. Um, but it was super freaking creepy that they became lovers. I don't know. That was, that's really weird to me, especially at like five minutes after seeing him as a little kid. And then all of a sudden he's like an adult and they're like doing the do and. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh man. It's creepy. That was a little creepy to me. <laughs> they spent well, years together and maybe she fell in love with him when he was an appropriate age for Agrabah. An okay. inappropriate age? Inappropriate. Inappropriate. Oh, oh, uh, oh, how are you going to fall in love with that, though? Because, like, literally, she's seen him with no chest hair. Well, maybe he did the salmon ladder for her, and, like, she was like, okay, I, I like that. Oh, gosh. Oh. That was an arrow reference for those listening. I, I, I did get that, but he is no Oliver Queen. Even, even as a man, he is no Oliver Queen. Actually, I would like Oliver Queen to come punch him. I feel like that would be very cathartic for me mm -hmm. on on the spiritual level. But um, also, I forgot to mention, it's interesting the way that they, they didn't necessarily give us a fully fleshed out dynamic. But it's, do you guys remember in the Disney movie version of Aladdin, um, it was kind of like the Sultan was... Jafar's victim and it's interesting that they upended it here and Jafar became a victim of the Sultan. Oh, look at Jess. Okay, nice. I approve. Uh, very, very clever once writers snapped. Yeah, I agree. I enjoyed the backstory, especially the start of the backstory. I will say yes, when they went in for the kiss, especially the first time that I saw this, I was like, oh, that's... <laughs> that's something but I mean she doesn't look like she ages so he was happy which is just weird to me yeah so uh, let's move away from the weirdness and, and let's go into the wacky in present day wonderland alright so Alice and the Knave they're being chased by a group of bounty hunters on behalf of the caterpillar they're called the collectors and they're trying to escape them and the Knave suggests that they split up but before they can even you know debate, debate it uh, the Knave is off and leaves them astray uh, so uh, Jafar approaches the Red Queen and they discuss eliminating the knave. But obviously, like, we see that she's a little bit hesitant because we know a bit about their backstory and that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, at the end, she does agree to his demands. And uh, she ends up finding Will and saves him from the collectors. 
and uh, she takes him back to her spiral staircase prison. And they have a conversation about their past, and the queen basically offers him a way out. She's like, you know, I'm going to summon the white rabbit, and uh, the white rabbit will take you back to the land from where you came from, a.k.a. the land without magic, a.k.a. Storybrooke, USA. But uh, he's like, you know, uh, no, you know, I don't accept your offer, you know, kill me, you know, I dare you, you know, kill me. And um, the queen mentions that uh, she feels that Wonderland uh, is a prison, which I thought that was interesting. And so Alice, her journey leads her to meet another thief and a former friend of the name, Nick, former friend of the knave, nicknamed lizard and uh, lizard explains that will owes her a debt and um she decides to help alice after learning from uh like a group of townspeople that will is going to be executed by beheading over in jafar's prison cyrus has been able to convince a guard into giving him a wishbone from his dinner and uh you know, it, it, it takes a little while, but uh, Cyrus proves just how strong a broken wishbone can be. And um, he uses the wishbone to, uh, like via magic, it was like really interesting, to um, burn lines through the bottom of his silver cage. So let's pause here um, and then let's sort of chat about everything that's happened so far so let's discuss a little bit about Jafar and the Red Queen and how the Red Queen was willing to help Will but uh, he was not having it and uh, the introduction to this lizard character Katie lead the discussion okay so um first of all the lizard character I don't know if it's just me but like I'm not a huge fan of the lizard character same here like, well, in the beginning yeah. in the beginning yeah i don't know there's just i can't even pinpoint it i'm just like she helps and everything but i'm still not a big fan i don't know what it is um so there's that but i do like how she and alice paired up to help will and you can tell that there was or at least she liked Will or something like that. You knew that there was something going on between her and Will, um, whether it was one-sided or not. But, um, so yeah, I liked how she kind of paired up with Alice to help her um, help Will. Um, but other than that, the Red Queen and Will, those are very, I always find the scenes between the Red Queen and Will very interesting because they have such an interesting dynamic, especially in present day. Um, after everything that's happened between them, um, you know, I mean, at this point, you don't know exactly what happened to get them to this point, but something pretty big did happen and you can get that in the way that they talk and the way that they act um, around one, one, around each other. You can tell that there's a lot of hurt, but Anna still feels something for Will. Um, and that's evident in the way that she you know, tries to make it possible for him to leave instead of for her having to kill him. And, you know, Will obviously sees that, but he provokes her to, uh, you know, kind of get over her feelings and have him executed. Um, 
which is which is super intriguing. You know, he you can tell that they had a deep relationship because he knows exactly what to say to push her buttons enough to just make her turn off her feelings for him and be like, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna execute you instead. Um, so that was I just I love their scenes together. They place off of each other so well, and um, this is just you know kind of a little taste of that. Um, but and the, oh yeah, that's all right. That's the other thing we talked about. Cyrus. Every time that man is on the screen, I am blessed. That's all I'm gonna say. Gosh, he's Katie so turns attractive. into a puddle. Oh my gosh. He's so attractive. But I did like the whole his whole thing on the wishbone. That was really interesting. Um it was kind of an interesting lore into genies. And it was another cool magical item. Um you know, kind of him slicing through the bottom of the cage. And I like how it left off, not where he's gotten out, but where he has begun to slice through the bottom of the cage. Um, so we don't get a total wrap-up on that, but it leaves us with a plot twist. So I I liked that scene. I liked um, specifically with Cyrus and his scenes in this episode, I liked the specific parts where um, he where he, you know, the other guard had come in and asked him wh- what he was holding. And so he kind of stuck the wishbone behind, you know, kind of cradle in his fingers and held up his hands and was like, I don't have anything. I don't know what you're talking about. And then uh, you think that the guard's given up, but he just goes and he lowers the cage real fast. And so the wishbone falls out or falls. Yeah, the jostling of the cage kind of makes the wishbone fall out of place um but he was smart enough to keep the other piece shows that this guy has been around for a while he knows the tricks of the trade um so yeah i i really like those scenes with him what about you jess and don't try to steal the genie from katie that's okay you can have it (laughs) i I love the genie in the way that you love your best friend and you want them to have a happy ending and you get so mad when something is standing in their way and it's like, life, why? Why are you being a dick to this beautiful person? Don't you understand how beautiful they are? So it's, it's that kind of love. I, I don't think he cries enough for me to feel bad for him. Or, like, to be attracted to him in that way, which says a lot more about me than it does about him. But anyway, no, Cyrus is beautiful. Um, I think that Katie pretty much wrapped up everything that I wanted to say. I think that, for me, um, aside from Alice and Cyrus, obviously they are number one OTP in this show, every time I see... um, Will and Anastasia together, whether it be a a flashback where she's, you know, wearing her cute little pink dress and her little flower crown and she doesn't look like she's sucking on a lemon or in her heart's garb, it just, their relationship is one of those, I I don't know if if this is the way that it was written or if the actors are carrying it out or if it's, it's a combination of everything. But you can literally see the sparks. Not necessarily sexual tension, but that too. But um, it's more of like when they look at each other, it's like, I love you, but I want to burn you alive, you fucking asshole. I love you so much. Why aren't you listening to me? 
that sort of thing. <laughs> no? Am I the only one that gets that feeling? I just think that there's no. very, very strong chemistry between them. And there's a mm-hmm. lot that's being left unsaid at this point. And yet it's still all being said in the way that they talk to each other, their body language with each other. It's as Shrek said, actually, I think it was donkey in Shrek or maybe it was Shrek, whatever. People are like onions and and will are the biggest, fattest, oniniest onions in Wonderland at this point. <laughs> They have well, a lot damn. of players. Oh, that they do. I don't know if I can add anything to what both of you have said, but I will just co-sign. In the beginning, I did not care for Lizard, but she was a character that definitely grew on me throughout her appearances on the series. I love the scenes between uh, the Red Queen and the Knave. Uh, there's just so much tension. And since he he's, you know, like, you could see that he's so pissed off at her, and you could see that she has so much regret that it's just, it's like, there's like a mist of emotions between them. It's just, it's like a, as thick as like pea soup fog it's just fantastic so let's continue on we're at the execution and it kicks off by a catapulting watermelon which was i guess to prove that it works we got jafar we've got the red queen they watch from the balcony of the queen's palace alice is there she's able to disguise herself as the axe bearing executioner she frees will there's like this little action set piece and then they get on the catapult and they use it to leap over the palace walls and into the garden maze yay so that's where the episode ends right now, so they're first joined by Lizard, and then, of course, Jafar and the Red Queen crash the party. Lizard is quickly tossed aside, which made Katie happy, and uh, Jafar <laughs> and Alice come face-to-face for the very first time, and Jafar insists that, she, that he will make Alice use her wishes, and he begins to suffocate the knave, and then he cries out to Anastasia for help, and then Alice, in a panic, realizes that... Uh, the queen is Anastasia and caves into making a wish. She wishes that the knave and will cannot be killed unless she is killed and Jafar is forced to stop. Jafar does, however, begin to torture Alice, but it is of no use. You know, um, it, it's of no use. Like he's like cracking bones and like trying to pull her apart and all this kind of stuff, but uh, it's it's no use. You know, her her love for Cyrus keeps her strong, and uh, you know Jafar stops all of a sudden, and then he decides to give her a fate worse than death. Jafar turns the knave into stone. Jafar leaves the scene and vows to cause everyone Alice loves pain. Uh, Alice begs the queen, you know, please help, please help. And she's even surprised when the Red Queen does not take her as a prisoner. Instead, the Red Queen leaves Alice alone with the knave made of stone with, uh, you know, her final words as, you know, everything is only about to get harder. So before we get into the, the, the flashbacks, let's discuss this. Let's discuss the Great Escape and uh, Jafar turning uh, Will into stone. Jess, take it away. Wow. 
That's all I can say. The first time that I watched this, I, wow, that was, that was my reaction. For Alice to have made a wish, you could tell, you could completely understand the visceral agony that Cyrus was feeling and just, oh, it just tore me up on the inside because he has no idea why she made that wish and he knows her. So he's probably thinking that, like, obviously, I'm not saying that it wasn't bad because it was, but like, oh gosh, he must be thinking, like, oh my god, like, what was it? And making up scenarios in his head that are like a hundred times worse than what actually happened, even though you know what happened was pretty earth shattering. I was surprised that Anastasia didn't really seem to react to Will turning to stone. And, like, honestly, the first time I saw this, I thought that we'd get, like, a scene where she comes back out into the garden, like, maybe at night or something. And, like, she doesn't have anybody following her and she just, like, cries onto this statue. But that didn't happen. And I was really mad the first time I watched this. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, she's actually being smart because she still doesn't. Obviously, Jafar knows at this point that, you know, she cares about Will, but I don't think that she will betray the extent to which she does, not not at this point, and it's it's smart of her, like, it's cold and it's calculating and it's ruthless, but it's also very smart, like, she's actually sparing Will from being, while he's, you know, a very statuesque statue, he's- Oh, gosh. She's sparing him from being smashed by a hammer or a mallet or, like, a giant, like, jackhammer or something. She's trying her best to save his life. Or maybe she's just a cunning, vindictive bitch. I mean, who knows, right? Wow. (laughs) But, no, uh, I thought that Alice making that wish, I was like, oh, no, Alice. But then I was like, yeah, if, if I was in that position, I would pretty much probably make the same choice as well, but I wouldn't be smart enough to be like, well, it's me and the knave. Like, I literally would just wish for the knave, but see, Alice is smart. I love that they added this really sharp and keen intelligence to the character. Like, she's always kind of had that. She's always kind of had, you know, the imagination and the -the out-of-the-box thinking. But here it's so pronounced, and you just can't help but absolutely root for her and want Jafar's head in a toilet somewhere where he can experience all of the pain that he's inflicted on everyone else. Like, just a millennia-long swirly. Well, damn. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> that that might have been a bit much. I apologize. <laughs> I love uh, when Jess brings the toilet into uh, an analogy. I'm really five years old. It's my fifth birthday next week. If anyone wants to send gifts, contact Poppy Chulo. <laughs> yes, we'll send you a toilet. Katie, your thoughts on Will turning to stone and the Great Escape. Oh, the great escape. Well, it was great. Um, For a moment. Yeah, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I honestly... Well, I wasn't expecting Alice to be the uh, executioner. I thought she was going to, like, jump out of the crowd last minute. 
Um, and I was expecting her to. And then all of a sudden she was the executioner. And I was like, oh, nice. That's smart. Because the executioner wears a mask. They were all black. It's not like anybody would know. Um, so I thought that was super interesting. And it really was fantastic. You know, they catapulted over the castle walls. And you thought that they were going to go free. And then never mind. <laughs> but that... Um, scene between Jafar and Alice and Will and the Red Queen was so intense and Alice made a wish and this is the thing that I wasn't expecting to happen I guess so soon in the series I was not expecting her to make a wish so soon in the series but she used the wish very cleverly that was a very smart thing for her to do because it really kind of puts Jafar at a disadvantage. He has to become more creative. He and the Red Queen had to become way more creative in the way that they're going to get her to use these wishes now. Um, because if they try to kill anybody, she's going to die too. And then there goes the wishes and they're never going to get the genie back or whatever. Um, so now they've got to think of different ways to do it because Alice isn't going to be totally threatened anymore. She's not going to be, I mean, she's going to be threatened, but she's not going to be that threatened. She's not going to, have anybody she loves die um but that was a very interesting thing for her to do very clever um but turning will to stone was another very clever thing for jafar to do um it really puts different stakes on the show um and on the characters um and I, I felt the same way too, Jess. Like, I thought that the Red Queen was going to react a little bit different than she did because we know um, that she does have very... She still has strong feelings for Will. And to see him be turned to stone like that, that I would think would elicit some sort of um, response. But maybe she's trying to keep that hidden from Jafar. I don't know. But... Um, it was a very interesting twist and you can't help but feel bad for Alice. You know, she's gone through so much and she's doing so much to keep these wishes out of Jafar's hand. Um, and Will gets hurt in the process. He gets turned to stone. So you have to feel for Alice in this, these moments, but uh, kudos to her for using that first wish very wisely. You know, it kind of, it gives this different spin to her character that's so intriguing. Um, she is very, very smart. Um, I would never have thought of anything like that. Um, but she is quick on her clever thinking. It's not something she has to think on for a long time. She's very quick coming up with things that are very smart to do. So I really do appreciate that in her character as well. I agree with a lot of what both of you said, so I'm not going to repeat it so it doesn't sound like I'm echoing, so I'll add this into the mix. I love how after that, um, after the uh, stonation of uh, Will, that Alice and the Red Queen had a conversation, and it was a short conversation, but it went into their history and their backstory. You know, she was basically like, oh, you know, you've been annoying to me ever since you were a child. So that means that the the Red Queen has been interacting with Alice for a while now, which I thought that was fascinating. And, uh, I, I mean, it also, I, I guess in Wonderland, you don't age as well because the Red Queen, you know, it's not like she looks a billion as well, right, Jess? 
No, but there is something different about her face when she is... Am I the only one that sees that? Her face looks a little bit harsher. It, it's super I think it's probably... I would assume but... it's probably the makeup. They probably go softer on her. Yeah, I, I don't really know makeup terminology. Job. They make her face look harsher and kind of more pulled or pinched in a... Like she's sucking a lemon or something. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, props on that, because in just uh, like a couple seconds, you could really tell that they have a rich history with one another. And uh, you all said everything else, so let's continue on with uh, the final flashbacks. So we have a scene in which a now older Jafar is collecting these uh, genie bottles these genie lamps and uh he uh, approaches a gentleman who has one and uh, he, obviously he's not willing to give it up so uh, jafar is like you know you can't do any i mean or the man's like you can't do anything for me you know i need to do my wishes you can't kill me ha 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 and all this kind of stuff and so he starts um you know, stabbing him with uh, a knife. And he's like, I may not be able to kill you, but I, you know, I might get you to the point where you'll start doing some wishes, man. And so he, he ends up wishing that Jafar can't harm him. And so he's like, ha, 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 nanny, nanny, boo, boo. You know, you can't do anything for me now. Ha, ha, ha. You better leave, man. And he's like, oh, well, you know, I can't do anything to you, but... She can. And in comes Amara, and she sort of like dustifies him, which was uh, fascinating to see. Like, maybe that's how Jafar learns how to dustify people when um, he did it in a previous episode. And so then uh, now they're, you know, one step closer to their big bad master plan. So later on, Jafar is with Amara. They're having a little sippy sippy. I don't know, maybe a little sexy time is going to happen. Who knows? But uh, she's, you know, glugging along and um, Jafar is like, oh, you remember the lessons you taught me? Well, you should know what's happening right now because I poisoned you, lady. And she's like, but you need me. You know, I'm I'm poisoned. I'm dying. I'm writhing on the ground. But you need me. You need me to do the spell. You know, the three genie spell. And uh, he's like, you know, I don't necessarily need you alive. I just need you. And so Jafar transforms Amara into a serpent. The serpent that you love. As he was saying. And then he turns the serpent into his serpent staff. Burr, burr, burr. I thought this was a neat twist. I'm not going to lie. Well, the first time that I saw it, I thought it was a neat twist. Even now, upon seeing it again, I thought it was a really neat twist. That Amara's been by his side all this time. And how he used like the same trick that she had used to get the man's liver. He used it on her. I thought, I thought it was great. It was brilliant. It was the um, the apprentice overtaking the master. What do mm. you two think? It was very intriguing. I wasn't expecting that. Like, I didn't, I mean, you're not expecting something like this, his staff, to have been or be an actual person. And for him to have 
turn the uh, tides on his master and to become the master, I guess you can say. Um, it was definitely a twist that I was not expecting. Um, and I thought it was really interesting that he got revenge on her for what she did to, I don't know, was that his friend? Yeah, let's say friend, neighbor, friendly friendly neighbor. neighbor. Yeah, somebody somebody that he obviously liked. You know, somebody that he had a relationship with, um, a good relationship. Um, And she just killed him. So, you know, he kind of got revenge on her in that same way. Um, And uh, became what he wanted to become. Um, which was very intriguing, but he still kept her alive. He kept her alive in that snake, in that staff. Um, super intriguing. I definitely did not expect that, and I thought it was a great plot twist. I agree with everything Katie said. What did you think of it, Jess? Pretty much the same thing. I mean, I I don't know if we as the audience were supposed to feel sympathy for her, but I was just like, Murk. That's what you You feel no sympathy. You called her sandpaper vagina. I was guessing. We don't actually know if her lady bits scrape together. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Okay, let me stop. But I'm just saying. She trained him to be that way. She taught him all these lessons. I don't ever think that... Jess, are you saying it's her fault? She's a snake now? Snake staff? Well, yeah, kind of. I mean... If maybe if she had tried to put some compassion and love into because I really don't think, you know, apart from them, you know, doing the bone dance. Oh, my every, gosh. Every so often or however. That sounds very classy, Jess. Very like, classy. I was, I was trying to find something that would be kind of clean. But like, I don't I don't think that there was much you know, tenderness in that relationship. I think it was more about lust and and teaching him about dark magic and like, oh, well, this person has to die. We have to turn this person into an animal. We have to separate these families. We have to slaughter these people. They've done nothing wrong, but we have to do it. Like, I don't think that she ever enforced the idea of loyalty and loving someone and choosing... And prioritizing someone else above yourself. And I think that it was a very interesting contrast between Jafar and, oh my goodness, what is her name? Amara? Amara. And I keep forgetting. I keep wanting to call her Moira, but that's not it. No, by far. Interesting contrast between Jafar and Amara and Alice and Cyrus. Because Cyrus, if he had to give up, you know, his magic, his his big dreams of using it somehow, if he had to give up his freedom, which, you know, he already has, but if he had to give it up voluntarily to save Alice or to let Alice live, a, a, like, a decent life, he would totally do it. And Jafar is like, you're annoying and I don't really need you and I don't actually love you. I mean, I loved your tits, but I don't actually love you. So, bye. What? Like, that's... He just doesn't care. It's cold, but it fits. Like, if she wanted him to care about her, she should have found a way to help him see that, you know, sharing is caring 
And maybe instead of the weekend love fest bonding activities being, you know, slipping people some poisoned wine and teaching him that, you know, sometimes terrible things happen to good people because we voluntarily poison their wine and then watch as they die. Maybe she could, I don't know. Maybe they could have had a nice heart to heart or something like that. So yeah, no, I'm sorry. It was her fault. And I don't know if he chose a snake for her on purpose or if the snake reflects, you know, who she is on the inside. Well, damn. Oh, right now. <laughs> Good grief. I don't know <laughs> if there's anything else to say after that. Sorry. No, that was good. Right, Katie? Yeah, yeah, it was very good. Yeah. yeah. So long live Amara, the serpent staff with the glowing eyes. And uh, I think we should jump into the MVP, the most valuable player, the character that impressed you the most, and why. And I'm going to start off, and I'm going to choose Amara. I love this character. I love the actress. She used to be on Lost, and I have a a strong affinity for actors of Lost that appear on Once Upon a Time or in the Once Upon a Time universe. And I loved her on Lost. I thought she was really great on Lost. She played sort of like another mysterious character. And uh, she played a really strong character in this episode. And uh, I loved her interaction with adult Jafar, let's say. And uh, I loved what she brought to the show, like being this sort of like magical, strong, sorceress woman. Unfortunately, she um, got bamboozled by uh, Jafar. And, uh, well, she uh, she got all uh, staffified. But uh, I thought she was a really great addition to the show. And it was nice to see a bit more of Jafar's backstory and to have her be a part of it. Katie, who's your MVP and why? Hmm. Okay, so I am going to choose Jafar. Because, not because like he's a great character, he's a good moral character or anything like that. Because he does such a good job at being a villain. Like, I liked how in this episode we got to see the start of Jafar when he was, you know, a helpless boy who was being abused to present day where he's, like, this guy who's willing to, like, murder and torture people just to get a genie, just to get wishes from a genie. Uh, it's just, it's it's fascinating to see that transfer, transformation. And Naveen Andrews, oh my gosh, it's Naveen Andrews. The Naveen. Mm-hmm. That's right. Wow, that name just didn't sound right for a second there. Anyways, Naveen Andrews does a fabulous job playing him. Um, and like a side note, we finally got to the episode where the hair stays the same for the rest of the series. <laughs> so yay for that. <laughs> just this was there was a whole discussion of Jafar's hair throughout the first two episodes, so you weren't here for that, I'm but sorry I, I to have feel it. I feel like you were here in spirit. That sounds like I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But you uh, were resurrected, which is good. <laughs> I told you she has a dark side. <laughs> so that was uh, that was that was weird. 
Sorry. <laughs> it was. I'm afraid of you. <laughs> I am too at times, but uh, we have to. Too. But we have to. I look in the mirror. Oh. <laughs> but we have to go to her now. <laughs> Jess, who's your MVP and why? For this. Jafar's episode. hair. <laughs> yeah, Jafar's hair. It it surpasses mine in every conceivable way. <laughs> but um. For me, it would actually have to be, I said Alice last episode, so she's always going to be my MVP, but um, I'm going to choose for this episode to be a little bit different, um, the Red Queen, I think. And that's really surprising considering like how much shit I've dumped on her this episode, but he, I, I, to this day, I feel like she didn't... When the knave was turned to stone, she didn't react purposely to save him from an even worse fate. So I think that took a lot from her because she was trying to help him get out and escape and, you know, be somewhere far away from Jafar and all those people that wanted to hurt him. So I do feel like it did take an incredible amount of, of strength from her not to, like, go sobbing into his chis chiseled stone arms. All right now. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to rate the episode on a mushroom scale of 1 to 10. And you may use the point system. And, of course, if you feel that the episode is exceptional you and over the score of 10, you may give it a golden mushroom and um, I'm gonna go first because we're gonna go in the order of the MVP and I'm so tempted Katie I'm tempted oh no should oh, I no. fall into temptation oh my gosh yes do it I'm gonna give this a golden mushroom I really liked this episode. I loved this episode. It was a villain backstory. We had Jafar's backstory. We had that interesting dynamic with Amara. We had everything that was going on in the present day arc. A lot of Will and Anna scenes. You know, their their tension and uh, romantic frustration. We had Jafar go batshit crazy villainy. Um, you know, in uh, the uh, hedge maze. We had badass Alice, you know, standing up to Jafar, using a wish creatively. We had her nearly get pulverized by Jafar. She was like, nah, bitch, you ain't winning. And then we had Cyrus even be sort of badass, kick-ass uh, in his uh, prison uh, birdcage cell thing. So it was an overall and all-around fantastic episode, and the whole twist at the end with Amara being the Serpent Staff was fantastic. So I have to. I mean, this is the first time that anyone has given one out, but I will be giving it a golden mushroom, maybe with even like a little bit of like pixie dust on top. Dang. Extra fancy. Yeah. Super fancy. Yeah. So Katie, take it away. What's your rating? What's your mushroom rating? Mm, okay. So, I can do a 10, but not a golden, right? You can. Okay. I'm going to say a 10. 10 mushrooms. Because it was a really great episode. We got a lot of intense scenes. We got 
to see Aelis using her first wish in a very clever way. We got to uh, see Jafar backstory. We got to see more of the Red Queen and Will. We got to see a lot of really cool things. Um, I, I don't know. I think the only thing holding me back from giving it a golden is I wasn't here. I mean, this is lizard. stupid. This is stupid, but it lizard. Yeah, this is dumb. I mean, it's a really dumb reason too, but I wasn't a total fan. So yeah, that's the only reason. Otherwise, it was a really great episode. So ten mushrooms. Okay, I accept it. So a golden mushroom. 10 Mushrooms, Jess, what score will you give this episode? 8.5 Mushrooms. That's that's a good thing. I liked it a lot. I'm not even quite sure why it didn't reach the 10 or or the Golden Mushroom scale for me. However, I do... Rewatching it just makes me super nostalgic, and I wish that they had continued on with it. But... um, it gets better as it goes, so I feel like my future ratings will be much higher. But that being said, 8.5 8. isn't really anything to sneeze at. Good for you once. Achoo. I, wish I, I, I tried to sneeze and it, it wouldn't work, but that's okay because my sneezes sound like someone is dying. Aww. Well, <laughs> on that note... It's time to get a little spoilery. Let's dive into some Easter eggs featured in this week's episode of Once Upon a Time in Wonderland and the Once Upon a Time television universe. This is an official spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Check out our official Facebook like page by visiting facebook.com slash storybrookweeklymirror. All right, let's get into it, and we'll start off with the ratings. Uh, The ratings for this episode, when it originally aired on November 7th, 2013, it was viewed by 3.54 million viewers in total. So let's get into some Easter eggs. And the first one is the title card, which features a serpent. Appropriate, I would say. And uh, this episode features characters from the Aladdin story, focusing on the appearance of the sorcerer, including the genie and uh, the sultan. Characters, of course, from Alice in Wonderland, such as Alice Lizard, and the Knave of Hearts, and characters from the sequel uh, Through the Looking Glass, characters such as the Red Queen and the Tweedles. Now, okay, this is going to be interesting because the set for the interior of the blacksmith's workshop. Now, this is where young, young, young Jafar was getting beat down and the man was like, I'll throw you in the gutter, is a redressed version of the shop that we saw in the episode trust me remember the shop the shop with the gentleman where he had the two camels and jafar was like why do you got two camels like you have a genie remember Hell so yeah, it's that's right. it's a redress of that and it also served as the exterior of of the the neighbor ulima of like his house and, you know, you can notice it because of the doorway. Because the doorway has the exact same shape in all three locations. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. 
So I thought that was interesting. So they reused this set a couple times. Alright, so, and that's all I have for Easter eggs. So on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of Storybook Weekly Mirror in Wonderland. Visit the Poppy Chulo Radio archives to download this episode and many more. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chulo Radio programs by visiting poppychuloradio.com slash archives. You can download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through iTunes. Just search for Storybook Weekly Mirror in Wonderland and subscribe. Please like us on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash storybook weekly mirror you can also like poppy chulo radio on facebook by going to facebook.com slash poppy chulo radio help support poppy chulo radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppy chulo radio email us via contact at poppy with any questions suggestions comments or concerns are you interested in joining the poppy chulo radio team as an honor personality or blog contributor email talent at poppy co-host please wish the listeners a good night good night guys Good night, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks for tuning in. Join us every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific throughout the summer for a brand new installment of Storybook Weekly Mirror in Wonderland. Good night, everyone.